Nice Life Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Nice. Hey, what's up, guys? This is your host, Joe Nice, and you are listening to another episode of Living the Nice Life Podcast. Uh, it's been a minute, uh, but I got a really special guest for you guys tonight. Um, it's actually my first professional athlete that's going to be joining us tonight, and it's not just a professional athlete. Um, she's somebody that we sort of kind of grew up together in the same space because we're basically from the same town, but she was a three-time WBC lightweight world champion. Now that's pretty awesome. Uh, she's done a lot of things in her life, but when I, when I look at her bio and I see three-time WBC lightweight world champion, I get kind of get the goosebumps. Um, and uh, that's Anne-Marie Saccarato. So let's, uh, let's welcome her to the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Anne-Marie. Oh, man, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank oh, you. it's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, we're, I mean, listen, we've, we've known each other for, for quite some time. Um, obviously, sure. basically from around the same place in Harrison growing up. Uh, and just for the guests, um, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you? 43, but I swear I'm Peter Pan. Never, I know. Never like yeah, <laughs> so I'm, I'm 42. So we, we kind of grew up in the, you know, in the same sort of, you know, area and we're the same age. So I got to sort of kind of follow you and what you were doing from way back when, when we were basically kids. Um, and it's pretty cool to, you know, to see you sort of pivot from, you know, that athletic space into, you know, into what you're doing now, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, I just want to, you know, start off by sort of kind of taking, taking it back all the way, because when somebody looks at, females for the most part. Now it's been, it's a little bit different now, Emery, because the MMA has been so sort of like mainstream and popular now where you see girls beating the hell out of each other every, every, you know, weekend. And then you see girls in high school now and even college high school wrestling and college wrestling has is for females is becoming a real thing. But back in the day, females in combat sports, people didn't put those two hand in hand. So what was it like for you growing up um, sort of when you, when you pivoted and transitioned into that in the early nineties or late eighties for you. And, and, and how did you get into that? Oh man, that's, that's the story. I mean, um, I got into it I'm trying to even think, I think it was around 99, 2000, um, when I actually started fighting as an amateur. Um, but that whole transition, I mean, if you remember, I grew up playing basketball, playing volleyball, playing softball, I got recruited for D1 schools to play basketball and volleyball. And that was my whole, my dream, my passion um, was to play collegiate basketball. And then, you know, when WNBA happened, I was actually working with two recruiters from WNBA at the time, um, that boxing came into my life and boxing kind of just grabbed me. Uh, but I got into boxing from actually the car accident that I was in, believe it or not. Um, when I was in the car accident in 1995, uh, I – was taking when I got out of the hospital and out of rehab, I actually was uh, just looking for ways to get back uh, into training and getting ready to go compete. I was going to go play for Seton Hall University. The following year, um, I had taken that year off because I was in the hospital uh, from August 5th of 95 until week before Halloween. I was at Berg Rehabilitation Center from uh, a week 
yeah, from, from August 5th to 95, to week before Halloween, the week before Halloween, to week before Thanksgiving, I was at the rehabilitation center, got out and um, went back into the gym. You know, that, that year, um, I got to kind of sidetrack a little bit, so it makes sense, was my senior year of high school. Um, and my senior year, I they just started a program where instead of going to school, you can go out and get an internship if your grades are good enough. So I started interning at a facility and studying, uh, just following around trainers, strength coaches, uh, physical therapists. And so I started evolving into the world that I now live in. Um, at that time, when I got out of the hospital, um, I started going back into the gym, just training. And I got into taking boxing classes and I got into taking something called, um, Chi Kune Do, which is what Bruce Lee created. And I kind of fell in love with, um, just, I guess the spirituality, it just grabbed me emotionally of, of, of combat, being able to push yourself as an individual to that next level. And you're only relying truly on yourself. And a friend of mine actually sent me uh, something about the New York Golden Gloves as I got into boxing more and more. And uh, true story, a few weeks later, I actually was in the Golden Gloves competing. And um, that's how boxing kind of just evolved. One thing led to another and took one fight after another. And um, got into after my first actual fight, I had my nose broken my very first fight. Um, and then a week later, I was fighting the same girl um, in the finals of the U.S. Nationals. Uh, a week after that, I fought the same girl in the finals of the New York Golden Gloves. Now, mind you, I had only been boxing for a very short amount of time. Um, I was in the gym. I told you I was taking boxing classes, and the guy I was taking classes with, he actually had a, a boxing studio. He made himself out to be this coach that he wasn't, um, but he depicted that person to me. Um, and I, I kind of found out as time went on what the real deal was. But to go back to the original, the origin of your question, what was it like? He never spent any time with me on the bags, never spent any time with me technically. He would tell me, I'll go do five rounds on a bag. My first sparring partner was one of the leaders of Hell's Angels. That was, I mean, I had no... It was just raw and just no, go. I was just no fighting. guidance. Yeah, you're just sort of kind of figuring it out on your own at that point. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was just pure. It was just pure heart and just really a test of me and what I had inside of me. It was like there, there was no truer test of the the essence of what I had inside than at that point in time. And having my nose broken and fighting, at, I fought a national champion. My very first fight, she was 23 and 0. I had like four weeks of hitting a bag. Um, I mean, it was just a crazy time. Um, you know, I went to the U.S. Nationals with a broken nose and two black eyes. And this is where I say, you know, listen, everything in life, it's not happening to you. It's happening for you. And true to point was I should have never been allowed to even compete in the U.S. Nationals with a broken nose and two black eyes. They don't allow that in USA boxing. Um, this is about safety. But they did. And I fought, when I say fought, I definitely was not boxing on any level. I fought through the U.S. Nationals like that, bleeding all over the place in the ring to get to the finals, to fight the same national champion in the finals, and then to fight that same national champion a week later in the finals of the Golden Gloves. That doesn't happen when you have that injured state as an amateur, especially in female, especially at that time where it was just starting to evolve. Um, but it kind of just set the tone for my road ahead. You know? now, now, most people, when you think about, see, when, well, like growing up as a kid, yeah. And so many of the kids today, being like a professional athlete is the ultimate dream, sure. right? And, and sure. very, very few ever get to experience sure. what they're actually like, right? Sure. So for, for someone who had no real technical training, very little experience, for someone to evolve into a professional in that sport and then ultimately become 
a world champion, that's not very common. Like that doesn't just happen, right? So that's, you know, we talk all the time about putting the talent together with all the other things, all the intangible things that really make the difference when you start talking about the, somebody who's either average or good or good to great or great to be becoming a professional or, or a world champion. Um, how long did it take you, just so people can kind of get an idea, from the time you started boxing to the time you had a shot to win your first world championship? Um, well, first, I'm going to go back to what you were just saying for a second. Because you're talking about being a professional athlete, how many kids want to you know, be that and work towards that. Man, that's a journey from when I was a kid. When I was a kid and growing up, to, just to go back to family for a second, um, I grew up, you know, my father was, was very abusive to my mom. Um, there's a lot of bad stuff that was going on there. Um, and, you know, grew up just in a totally dysfunctional family in, in terms of that. Um, and I knew I always wanted to be a professional athlete. And I put that out to the world because really – what you state and what you, you, you put out there is really what's going to follow through if you hold on to it. It will come to you. And I've been driven on that. I've been focused on this journey. It wasn't just from the start of boxing. This journey to where I am and where I'm continuing to push myself to be started when I was a kid. And when I was about maybe as long as four or five years old, and I knew that there was something different about me. I knew I was meant for more. And I said, listen, I'm going to be a professional athlete. Not just because of what I thought. Yeah, I thought I was going to have money. But that money wasn't a floss and to show if it was let me take care of my mom and my brother. And that's a true story. And to be a professional athlete, to also uh, use that as almost a, a springboard, so to speak, um, to get what I had inside of me out to the world. I, I kind of realized that very young. And, and I don't know how, right? We don't know these things. They're just things that are brought to us. You don't realize these things at, at, you know, at that age. But I knew that if I could do that, it would bring me out to being able to speak to others, get my message out to others, and to give out to the world the vision that I I had for myself and what I felt. So this journey is much longer than what my, my boxing career is starting to me getting my first, you know, world title. And now that ties into that because I, I was only an amateur for maybe a year and a half, two years. Um, I got to the finals of the gloves and the following year I got uh, to the finals of the gloves and I won. And then I won the, um, the national world of gloves. And then the guy I was working with said, okay, we want to, we're going to do pro now. And I, you know, kind of felt it was very early for me to do that, and it definitely was. It definitely had more experience, but, you know, I went along with the path that was meant for me, and I turned pro, and um, I always had this vision um, that I, 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 it just sat inside of me constantly, and the vision was that I was going to have a documentary crew follow me to, you know, show the world what it's like to be a female, uh, a female athlete, female, a female fighter, female boxer at that time and you know grinding having living on four hours of sleep uh working seven days a week the only day off was christmas and you know constantly exhausted but constantly pushing for more because it was in me i knew what i wanted to do and true story i actually took the first vacation i've had in, in forever um because my ex at the time actually got me this as a christmas gift took me away to to scotland and, and, and to the uk and was the first time i was actually out of work or training in years and while I was out there, I got a call that I had a title opportunity. And this was after maybe my sixth or seventh fight as a pro. Um, a girl got injured, number one contender for the WBC title. And they wanted to know if I would take it, take the spot. And I was like, holy, you know, damn. Holy shit, <laughs> um, you could say it. <laughs> yeah, holy shit. <laughs> um, seriously, like, really? What are the, this is the only time I've ever taken off. And now? 
So, um, you know, I was like, yeah, I, you got to jump on the opportunity when it comes to you, you know, always be ready. And I had enough trust in, in, in what I already had been doing and where I already was and took the opportunity. And when I signed that contract, I kid you not, the next day I had PBS call me up to do a documentary on me and they followed me all the way through that fight. And then from that title fight to the next, to the next. And, um, you know, I only, I said, I only want to fight uh, top contenders and world champions after that fight. So I want to push myself against the best in the industry. Um, and I did. And, and when, here I stand Henry, when, you got, when you got that call in Scotland, how far away was the fight? Uh, I think it was about uh, six, maybe it was six to eight weeks away. So six Which to eight. About so they, they follow so that, that you get a documentary, they follow you around for yeah. six weeks, which is pretty yeah. awesome. And that's one of yeah. two. I know you had two documentaries two documentaries made about you. So you yes. get that first title fight. Do you win? Yes. Yes. So um I won I won the belt. It was a amazing, amazing situation because this girl was uh, she's still fighting right now. She's a very big name in Canada, Jelena Bergenovich. I had the utmost respect, awesome individual, true champion. Um, anybody goes to Canada, she has champs gym out there in Edmonton, Canada. I will give her all the love in the world. She deserves it. Um, yeah, we fought. Um, I took the belt from her. Uh, it was an unreal experience. Um, and then uh, we had a rematch a few years later and uh, defended my belt against her again. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's been a wild journey. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, big, uh, major, you know, major underdog at the time. Um, like I said, just coming out, she had just come off of five straight knockouts. Um, I know even in, I think it was the third or fourth round, she caught me with a shot. I didn't feel my legs and she's known for knocking people out with a hook and I, I knew to stay away from it. She caught me with it. Some higher power told me just to keep moving and I just kept moving, caught my legs back and came was back. That, was that the fight you, you, you won fight of the year for? No, um, that fight was the pinnacle, like absolute pinnacle of my career uh, was against, again, I, I've always been the underdog. Um, it was again, and I've always been the road warriors. So that's why it's been a really tough journey for me too, because I've never really fought at home. I never really fought in New York. I was always fighting for belts and defending my belt on everybody else's territory. Um, and I fought out in California against another, I mean, she probably, this individual I had the, the most respect for on the face of this planet out of everybody that I fought, um, Jessica Bacosi. Uh, we went literally, it's funny because to this day, people call me up trying to get copies of the fight because nobody, nobody has any copies of it. I think it's like myself, maybe a, a handful of other people that have copies of this fight. Uh, we went literally toe for toe to toe, shot for shot for 10 rounds. Um, it was, it was unreal. We were, I remember the end, the beginning of the 10th round, we just leaned on each other to touch gloves and we were like, you know, let's put on a good show. We were, we were both done and we had both taken, taken a lot of abuse that fight. Um, and with two seconds, literally two seconds left, you know, there's a trust in your training, trust in yourself, trust in you, you take those chances. You know, if you want to be the success, if you want to be that champion, that's what defines the champion from the contender, the one that's going to take that risk, right? The same thing in life. And I, I had worked on a move, um, repeatedly and it came to me in that instant. And I just kept telling myself from, I believe this from the sixth round to the 10th round, just believe kept going through my head. Believe, 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 and I took the chance. I put the move into play, and with two seconds left, knocked her out, and you know everybody went nuts, and and that's what that's the one that really got me into the Hall of Fame too. I um, yeah, I, I remember I remember photos, uh, seeing photos from that fight. You were a disaster. <laughs> yeah, blood coming out my ear, my nose. Yeah, you were, you were you were a mess for that fight. But I, oh. I gotta tell you, I, I she we both. I mean, she that fight actually medically retired her for. 
a couple of years. She came back and she actually went into MMA. Um, I don't know if she was fighting in the UFC per se. Um, you know, there's a lot of other organizations. There's Bellator, there's XFL, there's, there's a, a, not XFL, um, IFL. Um, but she was medically retired for a while from that fight because uh, I actually saw her in the airport the next day and I was like, what are you doing? They had to fly her off to a specialist because she actually broke, um, I, I broke and I felt terrible. You never want to injure somebody with that. Broke her uh, orbital cheekbone um, and she had some other, I, I, there was one other issue. I don't remember right now what it was. So, I mean, you know, it's, That's but it, was, it was unreal. It was unreal fight. Yeah. So you have this amazing, you have this amazing run. Just so people know that these are just some of your boxing accomplishments. You're three time WBC lightweight world champ, right? You were out, you were ranked in the top 10 pound for pound in the world. That's the world. Yes. You had the biggest KO of the year. You had the fight of the year. You won the yes. most inspirational boxer award. You ran the Road Warrior of the Year Award, Fighter of the Year, and then you were ultimately inducted into the International Women's Boxing Hall of Fame in 2017. So that's not you, – you weren't just somebody who got a chance at a title and took, no. took, took, took advantage of your opportunity. You were an established, legit world champion boxer. And I remember years and years later, you and I sort of kind of touched base again uh, because um, – your mom, who was sick at the time, yep. uh, your mom was a your mom was a security guard at the middle school that I went to school at, which is kind of crazy. Yep. Um, and you know, being a police officer, I sort of you know got introduced to your mom by working in and alongside the schools uh, down at LMK. And then every year they have this relay for life, which is the cancer walk. And my entertainment company does mostly all the entertainment. Uh, for the for the walk in terms of sound systems and so on and so forth, and your mom was a special guest uh, that year that I remember kind of seeing you again, and I remember us I remember us talking, and it was just around the time that I started uh, speaking myself a little bit, and I was working with sort of Eric Thomas, and I remember having this conversation with you, and you were saying how for a while you weren't sure what direction stuff you were going yet, but then you you've had you have this calling that you wanted to to sort of get back into that and you wanted to help people. You remember having that conversation? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right, and it was right at the time, I think you were already living down in Florida, Emory? Yeah, you know what, I, um, I actually just came back. I moved down to Florida uh, maybe three or four years prior to that. Um, I was, well, I was down in Florida for about four years and then um, I moved back up to New York for our time and, and, and was in New York for about three years and then moved back down here just about a year and a half ago. So we were, I just moved back to New York. That's what I remember doing. talking and then we sort of got into the whole sort of motivational speaking sort of conversation and we were touching base back and forth a little bit. And at the time I was hooked up and connected with Eric Thomas. Uh, and a lot of people know they've heard me speak about him before. He's number one motivational speaker in, in the world. And, and um, you know, you were asking me sort of what that was like and, all that stuff. And then not long after that, and it's funny how things manifest, right? You talk about putting things out into the universe. You got a call from a friend of yours um, (laughs) who got you hooked up with Tony Robbins, who if anybody knows anything about anything, everybody knows who Tony Robbins is. Tony Robbins is one of the biggest names, not only in the motivational speaking world, but just one of the biggest names uh, in in the world in terms of what he does uh, at a human uh, humanitarian level. Uh, and a business level, um, and you got you got invited to be his personal guest at one of his uh, what do they call them? Unleashed uh, 
seminars, he, two of them. Yeah, he first, he invited me to, because, well, you know, this is how things happen, right? Everything happens for you. When I moved down to Florida originally, and I know the first trip down here was to make the connections that I made, because that's kind of led me to where I am now. Um, and one of those connections was Billy Beck III, who is Tony's trainer, basically runs everything for him in terms of his health and health advice and, and whatnot, takes care of him gets him everything that he needs supplement wise to keep him going because his seminars you know they're four days anybody knows Tony Robbins seminars are four days all day all night to seven days long and um Billy you know was always saying oh you got to meet Tony and people around me oh you got to meet Tony you got to meet Tony well uh two weeks after and Billy hadn't known this yet two weeks after my mom passed Billy calls me up or he texted me he texted me I'm sorry he texted me and he's like, listen, um, Tony wants me to personally invite you as his guest to unleash the power, uh, which is going to be held in New Jersey. And I was just like, wow. And it, like, it was, it was on rails. So my mama just passed. And, you know, I know she'd always wanted me to also go in that direction. And um, it was just like a sign for mercy. He's watching over me. And uh, so I went to, to unleash the power. And that was just an amazing experience. Um, totally life-changing for me. Definitely. Uh, everything that I needed at that time for sure. Um, and when I, I, you know, the, one of the managers, one of his managers pulled me backstage and, um, you know, I was talking to Tony, I was talking to, um, to his wife, uh, I was talking to, uh, Billy. And, um, when I was about to leave, I went to go thank them. And when I went to go thank them, they invited me to uh, date with destiny. Uh, Sage, his wife, went, invited me to Day with Destiny um, on behalf of Tony and herself to in West Palm Beach, Florida, which is a seven-day seminar. Um, and I came out, it was maybe a few months later, maybe three or four months later, uh, not even maybe two or three months later that I was at Day with Destiny in West Palm Beach. And, you know, I always had this feeling I wanted to move back to Florida. My destiny um, was in Florida. And then to go to date with destiny and just had that feeling and so many things that happened during that time that we experienced, I knew that my destiny was in Florida. I needed to be back here. And I made the move back here and everything is just kind of flourished to everything that I foresaw, uh, from that point forward. So it's just, it's been a while. Brad. I don't want to gloss over, um, not to be morbid, but I don't want to gloss over mom's death because that was a huge pivotal point. In, in your life, because yeah. I know you were super close with your mom, number one. Yes. Number two, you, you, you said earlier when we first started, um, you grew up in a home where your dad was abusive to your mom. Yes. Right? So you have this special bond with your mom. And then your mom goes through this really courageous battle with cancer. Um, and at the same time, you're dealing with your mom being sick, and, and, and unfortunately, she ultimately lost her battle. You're trying to find your footing and you're trying to, to, to stay your path into what you need to do for your life. And a lot of kids right now, and a lot of, I don't want to say just kids, a lot of adults right now, a lot of kids right now are dealing with tremendous adversity while they're trying to find their path to their destiny. How did you, how were you able to sort of take care of mom harness and, 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 and process all of those feelings while still staying focused 
on what you need to do for yourself. Did you have a hard time doing that? Were there, were there times where you, you thought or you felt like you know, it was too much or you wanted to give up or you were going to put your, your, your stuff to the side so you, you could take it? How, how, did that, how did that feel and how did that work for you? You know, it, it just uh, like it did when I was a kid, it just fueled me more. You know, when I was a kid and seeing my mom going through everything that she was and seeing her pain, her heartache, um, that's what drove me to saying, you know, and realizing what was inside me and that I had more inside of me to give. And that, that gave me the strength actually growing up. I knew that everything was happening to me, for me, for an ultimate reason to, to make me stronger inside. And that's the way I always looked at it. I always knew I was different. I always looked at things very differently than the norm. Um, I, I'm blessed with that. I'm very blessed with that. Uh, and that's what has driven me every single day. Um, when my mom, I moved back from Florida. I didn't really want to move back from Florida um, at the time. That was had to do with another relationship. That's a whole other story. But the circumstances that brought me here brought me back for a reason. And I knew it because shortly after I came back was when my mom got diagnosed. And I was like, I'm here for a reason because otherwise I'd still be in Florida. Mom would be going through this. You know, I wouldn't be able to deal with the way that I, I was and was blessed to have the opportunity to do. So, you know, obviously when my mother got diagnosed and I was the first one to get the call uh, from the doctor, there's, I don't even know how to put to words the, the heartbreak that I felt. But after, you know, the tears and the crying, the pain, you know, pulled myself together and it was just that switch that gets pulled. Okay, what do I have to do right now? And how can I, you know, be the strongest by her side? How can I, you know, do the, the, the right moves to the best of my ability and what I can control research as much as I can to what else, you know, what are our, um, you know, what, what position can I, can I, can I hold on to? What, what options do we have? Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, th those are the things that I had to, to take a look at. And that kind of put, you know, that, that warrior cap back on, you know, and I also got to watch my mom go through the emotional train wreck that someone goes from they hear those words um, and the pain, despair, anger, um, all of that. But then I watched her totally transcend a million levels higher to this individual that was just superhuman in terms of her courage and her strength. And it was unreal. So it was actually her strength that even lifted me higher. I think we were just kind of feeding off of each other at that point in time. Um, you know, and that just, it wasn't that I, I, I you know, I was dealing with, okay, I know there's more for me, but I was kind of stuck in a spiral of, I can't bridge the gap. And I think those words I used, used with you to get to where I, I know I'm supposed to be. But I also know that, that everything going on in my mom's life at the time was actually, it was bridging the gap for me because it made me look at things a little bit differently. And it pulled other circumstances to play that needed to happen. I believe in my life to pull me through to the next level of, of realization for myself in a lot of ways. Um, you know, so it, it, it was, it was just really, um, transcending, I think on, on a lot of, but it didn't, it didn't pull me, if anything, it pulled me closer to what I knew I needed to do. And by being that person for her and carrying her through her battle, which I mean, your mom's closest person, or well, I can't speak for everybody, but to me, the closest person in my life, being able to be that person for her to carry her, you know, as, 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 as much as, as I could and did to, you know, that, that final crossing um you know it just has been my strength going forward from that point forward and 
I feel her every step of the way with me every single day to doing what I'm doing and watching things evolve into my life as they are. And I know it's her guiding the way for me. I mean, this is even, this is her necklace. I wear it every single day and I just feel her with me. Um, so if anything, it's, it's, it's totally hurt me. So, so not, so Amory, so you, you took experiences that you went through as a child, right? The, 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 the adversity that you had to deal with as a kid growing up. Um, you know, uh, and you, you obviously you, you used those experiences as you were an adult to sort of help you through the next challenge in your life. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of people right now that aren't blessed with that. Um, you said you just had that in you as a kid. Now, I, you know, I went through a lot of adversity as a kid myself and I always had that mindset, right? And I think that it makes things so much easier now as things are difficult um, because it's sort of been ingrained in who you are at such a young age. So when you face challenge and adversity, it's like, all right, it's like another round, right? It's like you're, it's like you're a boxer and you're, you're in the 10th round. It's just another round. The bell's ringing and it's, it's time to step up again. You're going to get to ultimately the 11th round. And the, you know, the object of the, of the game is to get to the end of the part where you're fighting and your hand is held as the champion. So, you're going to constantly be getting punched in the face. You're constantly going to have to, you know, deal with another challenge, adversity. And people right now, they're dealing with that challenge and adversity for some of them for the first time. And they don't have anything to fall back on because they've never had challenge or adversity in their life like this before. So what, what are some of the suggestions you give to some of these people who are experiencing this stuff for the first time? I mean, one that realizing that your reaction is, ultimately going to guide you to where you're going to go. How are you reacting to the situation? Are you letting that situation wear you down and break you down? Or are you, you know, because you have a choice, right? We all, the one thing we all have in common is we have the, excuse me, we have the ability to decide, to make a decision on something. So if we allow our reaction to be in a negative manner, it's only going to spiral downwards. But as hard as it may be, we have to find that pillar of strength within ourselves to say, okay, this is what happened. Now, how can I best overcome it? And there's a great book, The Obstacle is the Way. It, use this obstacle to become my way and, and push through and persevere. How can I best use this to my advantage um, rather than holding me down? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's a choice also too between your fear and, and your faith. You know, uh, if you allow something to, break you down and create almost a fear of, you know, what's going to happen next? I can't deal with this. What if this, what if that? Well, fear is the most silent and deadly kill in the face of this planet outside of cancer. We can't choose cancer, but again, we have a choice. We can choose fear. We can choose suffering. If we sit into our head, you know, if we go into our head rather than to our feeling of our heart and our soul, what's going to bring us past that, it's going to create suffering. It's going to create chaos. It's going to create confusion. Um, it's going to take away from everything that we are really destined to uh, achieve and to have. Now, if we rely on faith and whatever, you know, faith you, you believe in, whatever you believe in as an individual, whatever you hold onto, whatever dreams you value, whatever your values are, that faith is going to take you there. It's that next level. It may be dark now, but that light from holding onto that or faith that you have is going to give you that light to, to push through, but you got to trust in it. You know, it's that ultimate trust of you are in charge of your destiny. The only thing that matters in this world is what you say of yourself and who you say that you are and what you say that you're capable of. And if you focus on those things, it's cliche as it is where focus goes, energy flows, right? Eric Thompson said that, I believe, originally. And, um, 
you know, that's, that's really what has to guide you. What focus are you relying on? You know, there's, there's, that's huge because I think, and you said it earlier when, 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 when you were talking about mom getting sick, right? What you, what you focus on, right? That's where your ultimately your energy goes. And I think far too many people, and I see this in young athletes a lot too, is they focus on the things that they can't control. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and, and there's, there's nothing you can do about that stuff. Yeah. Right? So we're both sort of, uh, well, you more than me, but I've been in the fitness space. I want to say my whole life, right? I have a store and a gym right now. I help coach people on the side in terms of their health and their nutrition. Yeah. So let me just say this now, take that opportunity while you're speaking on that. Um, look at how far you've grown. And I just want to, you know, take that time to acknowledge that because it's awesome to see everything that you're doing. So I just want to, I don't want to let that opportunity pass. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, whether it's whoever I'm helping, right. Um, we took, and, and you're, and you're down, you have your own company, uh, in, in down in Florida now rise performance and you're with athletes all the time and, and, and you're doing your thing as a trainer and, you know, when you get somebody who comes to you and they're overweight or they're out of shape, right? The only thing that they can do to get better is to focus on the things they can control, focus on their nutrition, focus on getting up, you know, getting proper rest, focus on coming in and being committed to the gym every single day. Like all those things you can control. Um, and I think right now there's a lot of people that are focusing on the stuff that's outside of their control. Like you cannot control anything that happens with the virus right now. Like right. you cannot control that your governor is shutting down, you know, uh, you know, if, if you're an athlete, you cannot control, uh, you know, if you live in New York, when we have the worst governor in the country, maybe besides that moron in California, you cannot <laughs> control that you know, Cuomo is not letting these kids play sports right now. You can't control that. And no matter what you do, it's out of your hands. But if things for some reason get lifted and you are now eligible to play, are you going to be ready? Right? So what can you control right now? You can control whether you get up every day and stay motivated. You can control whether you eat properly. You can control whether you get up and go to the gym. You can control whether you go to practice. Those are all the things that you can control. And if you put your energy there, eventually when the storm blows over, you're going to come out and you're going to be that much stronger because of it. A thousand percent. Listen, man, it's, it's all about energy. It's all about doing that, that 1%. We do that 1% extra every single day. At the end of the year, it's 365% further than where we were. It, you got to take advantage of every second. You know, so many people are saying when we had the quarantine, oh, my God, this is terrible. Oh, my God, this is horrible. We're going to watch Netflix all day. We're going to get fat. Really, why? That's your choice. Why are you not doing all the things that you say that you never have time to do because now that you have it, all the opportunities that you have to read this book, to go online, to do this course, to spend time with your family, whatever. It was a gift. It is a gift. People aren't acknowledging it as that. It is what you make it. Not that it is what it is. It's what you make it. You have the opportunity to make something greater than what it is at that time. But people want to take the, that route of just being comfortable, just complaining because that's easy. You know, again, it's pain versus pleasure, really. What you look at is pain. What you define as pain, what you define as pleasure, and what's going to get you to that pleasurable point. Really, the circumstances of your, your life to correlate directly to um, or the quality of your life should directly correlate to how much uncomfortability you're willing to to put in. Same thing as training. We're going to deal with being uncomfortable athletes. We're going to deal with being uncomfortable. It gets to that next level. Some people think that you know putting in extra time to do extra work just in life and everyday life and the extra step that I have to take that's pain to them. So they don't want to do it to get to the pleasure. So they'd rather complain about it because that's comfortability. Sure. 
And a lot of people think that a lot of people think that that individuals like me and yourself are, you know, are impervious to this stuff. And it's not it's not the truth. Like I wake up quite often, and I'm like, I can't believe that I, I I've worked my whole life to create a business that's been shut down for a year. Like I've I've lost a tremendous amount of money this year. Um, my business, my blood, sweat, and my tears that my partner and I have put together for the past 20 years of my life is gone right now. Like, you know, some people talk about like, all the, everybody talks about the restaurant business. My, I own an entertainment company. I'm in the hospitality business. It's been completely shut down. There hasn't been indoor dining. There hasn't been takeout DJ services. There hasn't been small, like there's been nothing. We have been literally starved for almost a year now. And I wake up and there are days that I'm like, I can't believe that I'm still dealing with this, but I have a wife and three kids that I need to provide for. So I need to figure that shit out. So I could sit back and complain, right? Or I could say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna take whatever the good is from this and I'm gonna spend some more time with my family. I'm gonna be home every single weekend instead of being at work every weekend for a whole entire year. And we're gonna do things that we normally didn't get an opportunity and chance to do. I have some spare time. I'm gonna invest in a, in a, you know, in a vitamin and supplement store and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that because I'm not gonna choose to focus my energy on the things that I have no control over. When that stuff comes back, I'll, my, I'll be ready to go. My feet will hit the ground and I'll be running again. But until then, I have to do things to make sure that I survive this. And yeah. a lot of people are just feeling too sorry for themselves to do anything positive. And when this opens up and when they come out of this, you're going to be, they're going to, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. I honestly believe that right now we're not seeing anything of the damage that this is causing. And you're going to see it when this, when this stuff starts to open up again. And you're going to see it, this COVID has either made you a champion or it's broken you. There's no in between. It's a test. It's like everything else. Everything else in life is a test. This is a test. You know, it's a test of what you want. It's a test of what you have, what you truly desire. It's a test of, it's not, I, I don't have the resources about being resourceful in life and what can you make happen? What, how else, like you said, how can we pivot? How can we pivot to make something else happen so we're ready to go? Like you said, when this all comes and, and settles down, are you going to be in a place where you can, can grow and evolve from? Or you're just gonna crumble within. But again, you have to be willing to take yourself to that next level of uncomfortability and and creating creating avenues for yourself that weren't there before, rather than just saying, "Oh, you know," and take the side road, you know, of, of comfortability. Like I said, it's it's how uncomfortable are you willing to 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 be to get to where you wanna wanna go and take care of of your family, take care of yourself, get to. Listen, nobody's holding you back from the dreams that you're you're destined to attain for yourself, except for yourself. And there's only things that are going to happen to you. They're going to make you take other steps that might be even greater than the ones you already thought you were supposed to take. That's, that's the whole key to success or pathway success, success actually is. All right. So it's what we have control of is the things that we're focusing on. And, and that's all about energy. We have control of our physiology. How are we going to carry ourselves? We're sitting like this and moping around all day long. That's going to direct us into the results that we're going to attain. Are we going to stand up, head up? and carry on and go forth to what we have to, to, to march on to achieve. You know, what's the physiology that we handle ourselves with every single day? What's the language that we're using every single day? How are we not only talking to others around us, how are we talking to ourselves? You know, what's the conversation that we're having internally with ourselves, the intellectual dialect that we're having with ourselves and, and, and the language that we're using, right? You know, because 
again, it's what we say to ourselves, about ourselves, for ourselves, that's going to direct us to where we're going to go. And if everything's on a negative level, that's where the results are going to be attained on a negative level, subpar to what you want to achieve. And there you are again saying, oh, you know, this, this didn't happen because I couldn't do this. I couldn't do this. Well, what can you do? Yeah. You know, what, what if you don't, well, what if you do? What if I fail? Well, what if you fly, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's as simple as that. You have to have that ingrained, you know, you have to have that. Something has to be great enough to push you in that direction or and you will fall. That's your why, right? And then they say, and I, I learned this from, from ET, is that your why has to be greater than yourself, right? right. Why has yeah. to be something that's going to push you towards your goals every single day. And it has to be greater than yourself because there's going to come a time in life, i.e. right now, that, that life is going to punch you in the face. And if it's just about you, okay, there's a, good, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to quit, that you're going to, that you're going to revert back to uh, you know, the, the, the point of most comfortability. Right? But if you have something that's out, you have something that's externally motivating you outside of yourself, for you, your mom, right? for me, my wife and my kids, for, for other people, whatever that needs to be for them, there's a lot when when you get up in the morning and you don't feel like when you feel sorry for yourself and you don't and you don't feel like getting out of bed but you look over and you see your mom who's battling cancer getting up every single day and punching it right in the face right you're not yes. you're not going to feel sorry for yourself absolutely right? it's so, a privilege I have a privilege I, I wake up every morning I, I'm like I'm alive I'm alive I could be six feet under I'm alive I have so many things that have happened to me in my life that I've gone through. I'm here. There's a reason for that. And I, I couldn't be more blessed. Do I have everything that I want to have? Nowhere near financially, nowhere near, you know, a home, nowhere near, but I have absolutely everything. I have nothing. I have absolutely everything. I'm a freaking alive and I have the ability to touch lives every single day. I have the ability to change lives. That doesn't even have to do with what I'm doing. Just to touch the life in the store, do something kind of, do the right thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, that's, that's how you, you know, I believe you should look at life because nobody has the right to be here. I, it's a yeah. privilege. I think that people right now, if, if we just got back to doing, if we use this time, if we use this time, instead of using this time to complain about things that we don't have, right? And we use this time to switch our mindset a little bit and just be grateful for the little things. I think we all could have taken a tremendous, uh, huge step in the right direction and there could have been tremendous growth for everybody because it's almost like this was like a reset. Absolutely. I like agree it's almost that. like a reset. Like, you know what? Be grateful for the fact that you woke, like Christmas morning, like we all know that 2020 was a shit show. I mean, it was a complete disaster, okay? Um, in terms of just how, the way everything went down. And at the end of the year, we're getting ready to celebrate Christmas and I wake up Christmas morning and <laughs> There's a, a windstorm the night before, and we have no power, right? So it's, you know, in New York right now, it's cold and dreary and depressing, and the sun doesn't come up till like 7.30, and the sun sets at like 4 in the afternoon. So you know, I have small kids, and I'm downstairs. It's like 6 o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black, and we're opening up Christmas presents with candle, like by candlelight. And I'm like, I say to myself, I cannot believe that it's Christmas morning and we have no power. And then I said to myself, you know what? We woke up this morning. Yeah. We woke up this morning. Every single one of my kids and my wife and myself, my mother-in-law slept here that night. We woke up. So you know what? We're opening up gifts by candle. Who cares? We're opening up Christmas gifts. 
know, there's plenty of people that didn't wake up this morning. Right. So it's, it's, again, it's, I just think life is about perspective. And I think that the champions in life, the people that are really successful and the, you know, the people who, who understand that and they, you know, they, they look at it, they look at challenge and controversy and, and opportunities. They look at them differently than other people. You know, some people look at something and they see black and white and some people look at something and they see, you know, they see, you know, gray or color. Uh, and you know, you, you have to take a chance or an opportunity every night to look at yourself in the mirror, you know, and, and say to yourself, did you do what you, did you move towards where you wanted to go today? Did you do what you thought was, was morally right inside? Do you feel like you contributed today? And if you just do a little self-assessment, just a little self-assessment every single day, you'll realize tremendous things because you can put on social media all the bullshit that you want, Amory. But when you look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, you can't lie to yourself. Because your body, you look at yourself and you know. Like if I do something that that I'm not supposed to do or I didn't do something that I said I was going to do, when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm mad at myself. I feel shame almost. You can't hide that. You can't look at yourself and be like, yep, I did a great job today. Because your body, your, your brain's going to be like, no, you didn't. You're, you're full shit. But on social media now, you can put out whatever you want and, and portray whatever life that you want to portray. And it's all nonsense. And at the end of the day, if we start worrying about how we feel about ourselves and what we did on a daily basis, as opposed to what everybody else feels about us, okay, or what we're doing, this world would be a much better place. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Thousand I think that I think that the social media is an amazing, it's an amazing tool, right? You and I get to connect on a regular basis via direct messaging or liking or commenting on each other's stuff. You're in Florida. I'm in New York. I have people. Uh, I had a coach on here. My last podcast episode. He lives in Alaska, right? How am I talking to a guy in Alaska? you know, and having a relationship with him where I can get him on my podcast. Social media, it's the only way. It's a great, phenomenal, phenomenal tool when it comes to networking and staying in touch with people that are outside your circle and outside your, your immediate living area. But it's also a very, very dangerous um, tool at the same time because, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff. There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on, on social media where, like, I just – I just had this whole case, uh, in, 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 you know, with the, with the PD about someone pretending to be somebody else and like sending false photos and, you know, it's, it's bad, you know? Um, so we have to be careful that we don't, we, ha- the reason why I'm bringing up the social media is because I think, like I said, I think a lot of people are so concerned what other people think about them. And they're so concerned about portraying a certain image on social media that they lose track of who they truly are. Yep. And when they look at themselves yep. in the mirror, they don't even know what they're looking at. Right? You, yep. knew, you knew who you were. You knew who you were when you were a kid. Now, you might be at a different level of that, but I guarantee you when you look at yourself, you're still the same person. You're probably a better version of yourself but deep down inside, you're still the same person. And you never compromise for anybody else, Anne-Marie, right? Like, it wasn't easy for you 
to be a female in the 90s growing up with your sexuality, with your fighting, with growing up in an abusive, you know, an abusive household. But you stay true to who you were and you never compromised and you never changed yourself for anybody else. And that's where you are where you are right now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a thousand percent correct. And don't get me wrong. Listen, you have the I definitely had moments where I'm sorry, my dog's trying to get into the picture um, where you get, you know, you grow up and, and you especially getting into relationships where you start to well, I'm not perfect Lost situations and you catch yourself and then you come back stronger and it's a stronger version of yourself. It's that. But that's the key to constantly go back to waking up and, and realizing who you are, remembering who you are, remembering what your why is, remember what your purpose is. Look, looking at what your values are and making sure that it's always intact, intact, always doing your internal kind of checklist, you know, and, and uh, that's one thing I've always held true is to my morals, to my values as they've evolved, but always pulling back to me and when circumstances, I started catching myself falling, you know, around people that I was around or people that I was with, relationships or, or friends, whatever, I have to catch myself and, you know, have a talking to myself, be like, whoa, and again, you know, take myself out of the situation, out of the circumstance and keep on moving. I think a lot of people are also afraid to do it. They're afraid to really look at themselves and be true to themselves, you know, have that conversation with themselves, afraid to disconnect from the people that could be negative around them, you know, and maybe that's because of dependency or their own, you know, fears or whatever have you. But people have to be strong enough to, to really, again, just take a look at themselves and who they're surrounding themselves, themselves with and then where they want to go and where they're being led, what trail, what, what path they're being led down because of who they're associated with. Yeah. Um, I see that, you know, like I said, I've seen it myself, I've seen it with, with other people many times, you know, see it with friends and, you know, you try to give people advice on things, but people have to see it within themselves. Otherwise they're not going to be willing to make those, those changes. And then they won't grow themselves. Um, so yeah, remembering who you are and which wise, you know, on a daily basis and, and reevaluating that and looking at yourself and, you know, staying on, on your mission is, is absolutely key, but yeah, social media and, you know, especially with kids is definitely something that, is is can twist that can can take that especially kids are, are so um let's say fragile but no there's okay my all right my, okay he apparently needs attention that's simba dude chill relax okay oh that's relax. Great. that's my buddy <laughs> he said all enough. right all right he's having zoomies right now all right relax bud relax calm down yeah he's, this, he's is, the, this is the beauty of doing podcasts in your living room Yes, it is. You get attacked <laughs> by your, you get attacked by your animals. <laughs> yeah, that's my buddy. That, that right, that's my boy. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it, going back to social media. There's so much, they said bullshit and crap that's out there that you know, do this. You got to look like this. You got to be this. Da 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 da. Um, you know, kids, people. I shouldn't say kids. Yeah, adults. Everybody needs to really tone back in and look again at what are your actual values what are what are your values what are your your beliefs you know and then because that's a big one like what do you believe in and you know one a is it empowering you to move further in life is it taking away from that is it limiting or disempowering you but you have to be really careful what you believe in and what you value because those two things what you believe in, what you value start to create rules for yourself and those rules start to dictate what you do and who you hang around. And in that, you start losing yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, it's, it's really careful that you stay true and, and constantly remember, you know, who in, you are. Where you're inventory inventory is, is huge. People think about, 
inventory, they think about like, you know, all right, going into your closet and seeing what you have. But we all need personal inventory as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly taking inventory of who you, of who you have in your life, right? Yeah. The people that you're hanging out with, are they, are they, are they, are they adding value to you or are they, are they, they draining you in terms of energy? Like that matters. Um, yeah. Successful people surround themselves with successful people. Right now, yes. they, all might, they might have that one friend that they're loyal to that's just a complete disaster, right? But for the most part, successful people surround themselves with successful people. And if you're, if you're surrounding yourself with a, you know, a group of just people who are either getting in trouble or people who are settling or people who are average, you're pretty much going to become a sum of, of, of those people. So you know, I, I, I firmly believe that if you're like the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. If you're the yeah. richest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Like you're well, constantly... Like, you know, listen, I sent my son down to a national wrestling tournament um, uh, down in South Carolina this weekend. And, you know, there's some of the best wrestlers in the country there. Now, listen, my son is not one of the best wrestlers in the country, right? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those parents who has rose-colored glasses like that. I'm a realist. But he's down there, and he's wrestling really good, high-level competition. And that's only going to make him better. I don't want... I to put him in a position where he's the best person in the room because that's not going to make him any better. You know, and we need to, we all need to do that a little bit in our own lives to start, is start making ourselves better. A thousand percent. And, and what you're saying is that, I mean, that's all right. So I'm going to pull Florida first in first time in Florida to Florida now together with what you just said. So I moved to Florida originally because I knew I needed more. I'm, I'm never satisfied. I'm always looking for more. So I even went boxing. I said, I only want to fight the best of the best now. And that's, you know, I don't have the best record in the world, but I went against the absolute best number one contenders from France, from uh, Brazil, from, uh, from the California, from, I can't, uh, Canada. Um, uh, Holly Holm fought her twice. You know, I, I wanted that because I wanted to grow and I wanted to evolve. And in life, that's how I've always looked at it. So I felt like I hit a, uh, a ceiling, so to speak, um, in New York originally. I was like, I'm not growing the way that I want to as a strength coach, as a performance coach. Obviously, you know, there's the internet and learning, but I needed to be around other individuals at the level that I wanted to attain, and I wasn't having that. Um, so I moved to Florida. I work with uh, I got a position, Juan Carlos Santana, who's a very big name in the industry, offered me a position at Institute of Performance, and that's where I started. Now, I ended up getting pulled aside by another individual who wanted to bring me into his company that he was working to build and he made it sound amazing um, as a, he wanted me as a performance coach um, and strength coach and also as a speaker. And long story short, I ended up losing everything that I made financially um, and had to move back. He was a complete con artist. Um, it was, you know, I, I don't regret it. It's, it's, growth you know it's 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 learning it's a learning curve it's developing a research and development um and i went back to new york that's not why i went back to new york but it at the same time this is my relationship situation um i moved back with nothing in my pocket literally nothing i had to sell my motorcycle that was a huge accomplishment for me just just financially something i wanted when, when, I, when I was a kid i was one of harley i had to sell my bike i i mean i had nothing i went back to new york with nothing but i can remember i was like you know what but I got everything inside of me, and that's more than anybody else. Nobody is me. Nobody has it inside of me. And it was my heart that brought me through everything in New York, and that's where I started talking to you. I, I got to figure things out. I'm kind of I'm stuck. 
And then the situation happened with my mom. And I was like, this is why I'm here. And that gave me another level of strength. And she became, you know, obviously a priority in my life. Um, at the same time, what kept me in New York, I actually got into another relationship. And then my other who's going to be. financially for the first time but i need to be back there and so I took that risk again because of what i believed inside of myself and because i know i need to take a risk to go and attain my uh, you know attain the, the dreams that i have for myself and i knew that my destiny was here i knew it was a risk but the connections that i needed to make were here and that was going to be you know my leverage to keep growing um and i came back here and ended up meeting a friend of mine that i didn't know was down here um, she's somebody that I grew up in the boxing game with. We trained together in the beginning of our career for a while, Maureen Shea. Maureen Shea is two-time world champion. Now she uh, trained with me and Hector Roca. Hector Roca worked with Million Dollar, uh, with Hillary Strike's Million Dollar Baby, Arturo Gotti, uh, a lot of very big name fighters. And I went to a boxing gym and the woman I was talking to, she said, oh, you sound, you know, your story sounds very familiar. Do you know, this, there's this other boxer here, no, she can give me a name, there's another boxer here. She starts describing Maureen, and I looked at her, and I was like, Maureen Shea? She's like, yeah. I was like, get the hell out of here, because I haven't talked to Maureen in years. We hadn't seen each other since maybe I was in late 20s, early 30s, and I came back that night, and Maureen was there, and uh, we talked, and she was just like, she got me on her podcast that she was doing down here, and she's like, you have to meet Phil DeRue. And I'm like, name sounds familiar. I'm like, who's... Wait, who's Phil DeRue? She's telling me, oh, he works with the American Top Team, he works with all the UFC fighters, he's the main strength conditioning coach. And shortly after that, I meet Phil. We connect, like, he's the male version of me. It's just a crazy, crazy situation, how much we're alike. And, you know, he was telling me he's going to be looking to open a facility soon, and, you know, he'll reach out to me, and reached out to me and uh he you know now right now we're currently in Movon. uh Movon has a baseball academy we're currently renting space out of there until the facility actually gets built uh gets opened out which is going to be next door but you know now from meeting maureen again to her connecting me with phil to now we're working with the majority of uh you'll see fighters every day um olympic judo players every day yesterday we were just down at hybrid performance method working with matt frazier and steffi cohen um matt frazier is the world's fittest man who won yep. the last five yeah. CrossFit games right um steffi cohen's pound pound strong swimming in the world um has hybrid method uh that's her gym in miami and you know train steffi uh, uh we train steffi on a, a regular basis um and you know these we phil just uh has been working with dustin for his fight he's rematching dustin poirier uh with conor mcgregor um you know and these are the people that i'm around every day now I, uh... and, Hold on, just to jump in there real quick. I'm sorry. Okay. Tell Phil I apologize, but Connor's gonna, Connor's gonna knock him out. <laughs> I'll, I'll let Phil know. <laughs> I'll let Phil know. You guys can talk it out. I have to get you on his podcast. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I mean, and it's so true. Uh, my dog really wants his attention. You just calm down, man. So, um, so getting it's to, so true. We're trying to 
it's who you surround yourself with. You're hundred yeah. percent correct. Well, you have one experience, you're surrounding yourself with certain people and it falls flat on its face. You have another experience in the same place, surrounding yourself with better people and you're just excelling all over the place. You know, Absolutely. they say that your environment will change you before you change your environment, right? Yes. So, you know, it, it's, it's imperative that you start surrounding yourself with people who are ready to, to get out of this mess that they're in right now and not dwell on the negatives and, and, and be that negative Nancy in your life because you're just going to wind up being, you're going to wind up being one of them, sitting right next to them, complaining six months from now. And then you're going to, you know, I tell people all the time, listen, you're, you're never just sort of, you're never just sort of staying in the same space. If you're, you're either getting better or you're getting worse, because if you're staying, if you're standing still and somebody's moving, okay, in an hour, they're going to be, you know, five miles down the road and you're going to be standing in the same spot. So in turn, you're actually worse off than you were, you know, an hour ago. So you're either improving or you're getting worse. So, you know, as we, as we, we start to wrap this thing up, 2021, you know, if we learned any lessons from 2020, it's that there's certain things in life that we can't control, right? And the outcome is going to be how we observe and how we, we look at the challenges um, that are in front of us. What is the perspective that we have about those challenges and what are we doing uh, you know, while this stuff is going on? Are we controlling the things that we can control? Are we, are we trying to take the, the good and the positive things out of them? Or are we going to complain, feel sorry for ourselves uh, you know, and, and sit in the same spot while sort of the world kind of just passes us by? That's one hundred percent the truth. You know, it's one hundred percent the truth. It's, it, it, and it's it's taking a risk. You know, it's people don't realize that in one moment with one decision and one jump you take on this one opportunity can change your entire life. With that one breath that you don't get back, that's what you have to really hold on to. We're not guaranteed another breath. What are you going to do with that one breath every moment? What yeah. what risk are you? going to take with that to improve upon your life to better your life and with everything that comes at you again your obstacles your, your quote-unquote failures it's not a failure unless you stop it's research and development it's something that's going to grow you to become stronger looking at those lessons looking at yourself looking at what has changed looking at the values again that you hold on to or the values that you you want in your life you want to move towards you you want to move away from you know what's going to guide you in that direction you know what it, it, it's simple simple right but your habits every day your habits your rituals those are what's going to get you to the next level of success right I say it all the time you're scheduling but what actually are your habits and your rituals right what every day do you have habits that you've been doing consistently since you you know for five years ten years that you just fall into that no longer serve you anymore or taking you away from something and you can't pull yourself out of your own way because you know, this is something that you do every single day but what if you stop doing it what if you change the time what if you you know, looking at what little things can you do every single day to make that change? What rituals can you create for yourself every single day to bring you forward so that, you know, it's, oh, it's going to be, you know, so much harder. Okay, fine. But if you put, again, 1%, 5% more into this every single day, you know, you have this, this time now because you don't have put that time into something. Sit in your car, listen to, all, listen to your podcast, listen to, you know, uh, something, uh, audiobook to grow you, to take you to that next level. So saying you don't, you do have time. It's just how you want to make it happen. Yeah. And, Willing again, having that that one thing that's going to push you to the next level that is important enough to you that you're going to say, you know what, I, I want to do this. Not even that you need to do it, and you're privileged to do this because again, you can you could not be here. Yeah, you know, you, you don't have to be here. You Where know? and and yeah. 
where uh, where can where can uh, all of our listeners find you on social media if they want to reach out? A M underscore Saccarato S A C C U R A T O Arise underscore Performance um, on IG. You can feel free to DM me questions, whether it's about mindset, uh, you know, about training, about nutrition, um, on any of those levels. Just to say hi, send love. You need to pick me up. I got you. Yeah, um, guys, this is this is somebody who 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 was the best at what she did. Right, uh, you don't really get to say that too often, right? Well, a lot of people. Hey, hey, hey. I am the best at what I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. When we talk about, you know, we talk about a lot of people are self-proclaimed the best at things, right? She has, she has three belts to prove that she was the best at what she at at, at what she did, and it takes a certain person to be the best like that. So if you wanna if you wanna pick a brain, if you if you want coaching. Um, She's phenomenal what she does. Her energy is amazing. Um, she's one of those people that, I, that I'm, I'm, I'm proud to call a friend of mine. And, and you know, and as, we, as we move along this crazy, this crazy place called life, there's a lot of negative things. Um, but if you, you know, look at your, take, a, take a scroll down your feed, right? I do, that, I do that a lot. I scroll my feed sometimes. And I, I take inventory of who am I following? Right, what's popping up on my on my social media, uh, and I'm about to do a huge purge on Facebook <laughs> because I can't take the negativity anymore. Surround yourself with positive people. Surround yourself with like-minded people. Um, okay. and, you know, the the best part about it is if you just have the courage to ask, right, you'll find you'll find that there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help, and there's a lot of really great people out there if you use the tool of social media in the right way. Amory is one of those people. She's always willing. To uh, she's always willing to look out for 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 someone, and you know, and, and I think that's a great character trait. So kudos to you on that. And listen, I, I I'm I'm following you. I wish you nothing but the best down there in Florida. Um, I love the tuning shit. Down here. Yeah, if, uh, listen, I'm coming. Listen, when when we're allowed to travel again, and not not quarantine for 87 days after I get off a plane, I'll be back down in Florida. We'll be using our vacation club probably somewhere down in like uh, West Palm Beach or, you know, that area. But we'll make sure that we're down there long enough where we can hook up. I want to hook up with you down there. I want to hook up with Rudy down there. Um, and uh, we'll get together and we'll get it in. But follow Anne-Marie. Uh, you'll take one look at her. She's a, she's a certified badass. Um, and uh, listen, you'll be better off for it. I promise you guys. Uh, that's it. That's a wrap, Anne-Marie. Another episode of Living the Nice Life, which uh, we're both trying to do our best of. I appreciate you coming on. It was an hour, a little over an hour, and it went by in the, in, in the blink of an eye. So go give your puppy some love, and uh, yeah. we'll touch face this week. I'll let you know when the episode's up, all right? Brother, it's been a pleasure and an honor. Blessing. Thank you so much Thank for your you time. So and everything back to you. Everything you stated goes right back, man. You know, I have the most love and respect for you, and I'm so proud of everything that you're doing. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good night, all right? All right. Peace and love you. Hey.